Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club, connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. Today, we're catching up with the one, the only, Nick Fordham, the CEO of the Fordham Company, Australia's leading talent management agencies. Um, Nick uh, is a serial entrepreneur. He's involved in a globally successful TV show, um, incredibly huge um, health food company, uh, and even has um, uh, sports TV rights. And Nick and myself had a brilliant conversation spanning everything from media to content to creation, uh, and even our opinions on what's going to happen after this whole uh, crisis uh, situation, they call it. Um, I had a brilliant time catching up with Nick, so enjoy the show. And we're live. Welcome to the show, Forda. How are you, matey? Good, mate. How are you? Good. <laughs> nice to see you as always. Mate, the Corona handshake. You, I know. Yeah, I know. It's, elbows. It's, 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 elbows, it's, it's, um, it's like the new thing. All the, yeah, just bring yeah, back the peace signal. Do you know what? Sometimes, like, I mean, I, I, I haven't not seen you in, in very long. I saw you probably a month ago. Yeah. But even though every time someone walks in, I like, you have the urge to hug them. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just to do like the bro handshake. Yeah. yeah. And you just fucking can't. You got to do some awkward, like, monkey kind of we'll, we'll get we'll get chicken back to dance it. looking we'll, fucking we'll, thing. Get, we'll get back to it we have to yeah. we have to but mate how you been what's new mate i'm thrilled to be on this podcast how good is yeah. it yeah <laughs> i um i'm a i'm a big supporter of um people putting it out there and um having a crack at stuff so and i know sometimes it can you can be a little bit hesitant in going should i start a podcast or mm. should i but i say kudos to you in in terms of having the balls to do it and yeah and i always say to people um when you start something like this, just think where you'll be in 12 months' time. You know, the most important thing is starting. So, yeah. Good to be here. How, that's funny because I always, I actually always say this. It, a lot of people want to do things, but they never actually just start them. If you start, you're forced to then figure out how to make it good. We, we were just having this discussion before. The first episodes we we did, they were great. We've had amazing feedback. Only two alive at the moment. We've had amazing feedback from them. But when I listen to them, wait till they listen to this one. Yeah, mate. exactly. But that's the point because you get better as a as a host. Like you find all the stupid, annoying things you do. Like I interrupt too much, and like I do all these annoying stuff. And because you're analysing yourself, yeah, listening to yourself talk to people, you're, I'm actually learning how to communicate better. So it's been pretty cool, like that. Yeah. But you're a bit of a content king and a master of uh, media. I guess the, the Fordham name is is is. Um, synonymous with Australian media and talent and and um, what else would you say? PR, publicity, I mean. Um, health food, health, yeah, sports TV yeah, rights, documentaries, why the whole. Why don't you give the listeners a bit of an overview of, I guess, your, your uh, empire you've built? Um, well, I, um, the family business started the year I was born in 1979. Um, a bit of background and it's good to give the background as well to these types of things because mm. I, it is my company. I own the company, but it is a family business that my my parents started in 1979, the year I was born. Uh, my dad um, worked for Qantas. He he ran um, PR in North America uh, for Qantas in the 70s, um, and my mum worked for Tourism Australia. And they moved back to Australia. And um, my dad said, "Fuck it, I'm going to leave a high paying corporate job, three kids under the age of five, and I'm going to launch my own business." 
and um, we, my parents then filled in our garage, literally bricked in our garage, yeah. put an air conditioning unit hanging out of the side and the Fordham company was born. No um, way. In a garage. You've never yeah. told me that. So that was in 1979 and um, it's been um, pumping since. So it's obviously grown out of the garage. You know what? The best shit comes out of garages. <laughs> yeah, well, our, our health food business with, that I own with Adam and, Adam and Belinda McDougal, the, the man shake and the laddie shake, mm-hmm. that too was started out of a, of a garage. Now it's one of the biggest health food businesses in, in Australia. It's massive. Isn't it the number one uh, protein shake? Or in in the you, world. Is that right? No. Oh, it's something I tell in Australia. People, yeah. No, no. It's, hey, it's the it's, best in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and do you know what? Like quality, and we'll get into this later on this podcast, but- in this day and age, if you're not putting out a quality product um, or you're bluffing your consumers in any way, you just will not survive. And mm. that's one thing about our health food business is that we've um, we've played the sugar card right. We've you know we're a food, so we're um, we're highly scrutinised. And you know, especially in the supplement game, it's an unregulated industry. Mm. Um, we're in the food game, um, so it's um, the point of difference. But um, yeah, it's the greatest. The man shake and lady shake is the greatest protein shake in the, on the planet. And and it's mostly digital sales, isn't it? You, we're an online business. It's e-commerce. an fully online yeah. business. Uh, we're in nationally in Coles. We're in uh, Blooms. We're in Terry White Chemists. Uh, but we're an e-commerce business. And so you've got the Fordham, the Fordham company, which is the talent management, the media. Yeah, the, I'll yeah. give you a quick background. So yeah. the, the Fordham company is a talent management agency. Um, we look after the likes of. Um, Mark Boris, Lisa Wilkinson, Sylvia Jeffries, uh, Ange Postacoglu, Paul Ruse, um, sort of the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, we're very proud of that business. We've got an incredible client roster. Um, I think a lot of talent agencies do it wrong, especially the big ones. Um, so what would you say the difference between what you guys do and what, the, what others may do is? We're quality, not quantity. Okay, so you'll focus on the right client, just the best, the best, the, of best, the best. Deal. Yeah, the best, the best, and um, you know, it's a, it's interesting doing this podcast at this point in time because the, you know, the world has changed. In you know, it's almost like our parents' generation is like, where were you when man walked on the moon? You know, yeah. where were you? What, where, what was your life like when all the, when the coronavirus happened? Yeah, because life as we know it will not be, ever be the same again, and some people look at that in a negative way and of course there's you know there's a lot of death around the world and there's some really unfortunate things going on but as well you have to look at positives out of things as well that you know the environment's a lot better um it's challenging people a lot more um i think a lot of the good businesses will rise um and a lot of the shit ones will fail i just think i fully agree and i think people get stronger in tougher times Mm. and like you can look back, even just one or two generations is—it's really obvious. Mm. You listen to some of the stories that uh, your grandparents went to went through, for some of the horrors that they had to experience and the depression, war, everything, yeah. everything, and yeah. they and they're the best people. Yeah. You see, look at that generation—they never complain. They're 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 happy people. They're yeah. community. They've got they're, they're patriots. They're they're just good human beings. Uh, you know, it's not. It's horrible, but at the same time, um, things happen. That's life. Yeah. And you either look at it like, all right, this is an opportunity for me to grow and be stronger 
or mm. you look at it like, oh, no, the world's too difficult. And, and you've only got two choices. So, yep. so just make the right one. Yeah, I think the um, – as I tell my team, the the – First few weeks of this was really tough because I think everyone was in a bit of um, a bit of shock, um, and you know a bit of anxiety, high levels of anxiety of a lot of people of uncertainty around their jobs or their businesses or the economy or whether they're going to get coronavirus or whether their parents going to die, whatever it is. And I think that that has sort of tapered off a bit, especially in this mm-hmm. country. Um, what were you feeling personally? What, what what did you worry about in uh, regards to your businesses? Oh, no, my first worry with it was um, I lost my dad at the end of last year and my mum's living on her own. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, you think of, Family. you know, the the elderly and not my mum's elderly, but she's in her 70s and, you know, and she's got a couple of health issues that um, um, could be affected by coronavirus. So first and foremost, I went into that sort of protective mode of my mum. Um, outside of that, um, we pivoted really quickly um, and, again, I think being, you know, small and nimble allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked remotely straight away. I had heart palpitations at that time thinking I've, I can't control all this and, you know, my, my staff's going to be, you know, swimming and sunbaking and, you know, not doing their work mm. and everything else. But it's been, it's been completely the, the opposite. How funny. That was the same experience as me. Yeah. I was such an anti not work from the office person. You need the office is the best. Everyone comes together. We're all doing it. We're in early. We, but then um, I thought no, because I know when I was at home I wasn't working. Mm. I was like, if I'm not working at home, I don't think anyone's <laughs> working at home. So, but but the, it, this has fully changed my mind. Yeah. I, the, the, we're working harder. Yeah, we really are. Well, I've um, I've been um, slowly selling this thing to my my staff, and I've got a call with them today. That um, we're switching to a twenty four seven mentality as a business. So I don't give a shit whether you go and do something during the middle of the day, or you got you want to go and do yoga, or you want to go for a swim, or go and meditate, or do whatever it is. Have the flexibility to go and do that because if you get up early in the morning and you crunch about a few hours of work, and you're working late at night, or whatever, however you want to structure your day, as long as we're ahead of the curve as a business and we're on top of everything. Mm. And we're ahead of the curve and on top of anything. I don't care how you structure your day because, you know, technology is a beautiful thing um, and we've never been better connected and we've got, you know, some great platforms in our business in terms of, you know, workflow and, and who's on top of what and everything we're doing. So I can click into an app and see everything that's going on. Um, Any apps you would recommend? Um, well... We just use WhatsApp. We've just got the constant. No, so I'll, I'll tell you this, right? We've we've gone through Salesforce, mm. um, and that hasn't worked for us. Okay. Um, and um, um, I hopefully no one from Salesforce is watching this, but if they are, uh, Salesforce is a great company. I think it's for bigger. It, it works better for the really I, big I, corporate. I, I get type that, things, but yeah. they what they sold to us was that they're or for small business. Okay. Uh, they're not for small business. No. Um, in terms of if we're just like a sales business that has a – we're selling a certain product and we've got X amount of stuff in a warehouse and we've got a list of clients and those types of things, it's probably fine. But we're a little bit more complex in terms of, you know, we've got multiple different businesses in, from global documentary series through to health food into sports TV rights and talent, all that sort of stuff. So we found a, a platform, um, my EA Beth found this platform um, called Monday. Com. We've started using it as well. 
fucking awesome. We're, we're, yeah. we're measuring member engagement through it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's just simple. You know, it's a to-do list. It's a whip, you know, yeah. and it's just. How funny. So I, I think the, um, the working from, uh, the working remotely thing, I think works, you know. Um, and, and I think something you said to me yesterday is really um, uh, interesting. It works, but it won't work for everybody. It will only work for, for those who have their heart in the game, for the yeah. strong ones. The weak are going to be exposed. The, the, by weak I mean um, the, those who are not working, who, who haven't got their heart in the game. They're going to suddenly be exposed. Yeah. Um, I think this whole situation is going to um, elevate the talented, hardworking ones and it will crush the, the, the ones that cut corners, mm-hmm. um, no matter if you're an employee or business, whatever it is. If you're lazy, you've got a bad work ethic um, and you sort of bullshit your way through, um, I think this is going to be a really testing time for those types of people. Um, but those who are good at their game, they work hard, um, they're creative. Um, and I think creativity is such an important thing that is, um, under recognized in terms of business. And I've had a lot of, um, I get up early. I get up really early. I, you know, try and get up at sort of four thirty every morning. Do you have a morning routine you'd stick to? I, yes, I'm up at out of bed at about 4.30, quarter to five every morning. Um, and I go up to Crown Street jo- Crown Street Grocer, my mate Joe, get a coffee. He's open at five. Only a only few cafes open at 5 a.m. Uh, and then I go and train. Um, I, I meditate. And for me to meditate is um, I've got a very racy mind. Um, not racy as in sexy. <laughs> uh, that's, my, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, but for me to meditate, if I can meditate, fucking anyone can meditate. I yeah. use um, uh, Mindspace. Uh, yeah. Mind, is it Mindspace. Yeah, I think it's called Mindspace. Yeah. Do you know what Wim Hof is? Have you heard of yeah, that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the breathing techniques, yeah. This guy's a genius. He's changed my life. I'm sitting on the balcony every morning getting my Wim on. Is it Mind? What's, what's Making an alkali. What's, what, what it does is the, it. What's the app? Um, Mindspace. Is it Mind? Yeah, it's I'm Headspace. Certain. Oh, Headspace. Yeah, I knew there was something. Same like thing. Same thing. But I find like it's it's meditation for dummies for yeah. me, you know, and it's things like um, – so that's my start to my day um, and I find in that time – I was talking to Mark Boris about this and, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to work with incredible people like Mark and um, – How did you guys he, meet? Uh, oh, tell me after the story. We, yeah. So but we – I talked to him about the mornings. You don't interrupt me. Yeah, sorry, man. Maybe you listen to me. <laughs> That's my, one of my lessons I'm trying to work <laughs> on. I'll pull you up on that. Um, but Mark's an early riser as well and, you know, I've sort of learned a few things from him um, like a lot of the people that I work and fortunate to work with. But, um, you know, it's that time and space early in the morning um, that I get and if I can meditate as well, it just gives me that time to think about what I'm going to do that day um, and I probably annoy my staff by texting them at all, all hours in the morning. And I, I love shooting a text message off pre 5 a.m. to someone, yeah. you know, just we've, make them feel like shit yeah, when they're reading it at quarter past eight when they're waking <laughs> up in the morning, you know. We've got someone like you on our team. He, he wakes the whole fucking team up at 5 a.m. Everyone on our team morning meeting, we're like, mate, can you stop messing? We don't want to hear ding, ding, ding. At least he's waking ding. up, not going to bed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's done both. <laughs> But one thing you touched on before yeah. was the TV series you're involved in. Yeah. 
What's the name of it? So it's uh, called Outback Wrangler. Yep. Um, internationally, it's called Monster Croc Wrangler. It's huge, isn't it? It's gone. It's gone off the off yeah. the charts in the states. We're 130 countries around the world. Oh shit! Yeah. Can you can you do you think you could share with us how the TV business actually works? How you put on a show? How a show is created from from inception through um, to to <clears throat> getting to that hundred? Yeah, yeah. Country. So I'll, I'll I'll jump back from how a TV show is created to. Um, it's almost like a good segue what we are just talking about before in terms of creativity because I think not not enough time is spent on coming up with great ideas and nurturing those ideas and all the great businesses in the world are just fucking good ideas. Yeah. You know, they're not – it's nothing more than that. It's finding a problem and solving it. Um, I met this guy, um, his name's Matt Wright. Um, flies helicopters, um, wrestles crocodiles, grizzly bears. He's like the cross between Indiana Jones and the Marlboro Man. Um, yeah. how, how did you meet him? I got introduced to him for a, a mutual friend who worked for RM Williams and, and Matt was doing some flying for them during their campaign shoots and ended up being the, the central figure for one of their campaigns because he's a good-looking rooster. <laughs> but um, I saw him and just thought, well – there's just something amazing about him that should be a TV show. So I was, you know, this is 10 years ago, um, so I was sort of late 20s and um, I went and pitched um, Matt to some TV networks, um, got rejected by all of them, um, was sort of asked if I'd ever made TV before um, by some network CEOs and execs and I said, well, it doesn't look that fucking complicated. So um, if you've got a great idea... Um, but anyway, took rejection. Rejection's good. Um, and I was almost a little bit disheartened with it because I had to go and shoot a really good reel up in the Northern Territory with multiple helicopters in the air and all that sort of stuff. It's Costly. probably going to cost me like 75 grand or something. So 75 grand for like a punt. But I fully believed in Matt and fully believed in the concept. Um, and it's where it's that, that thing of success where opportunity meets hard, hard work. There's lots of hard work and this opportunity came along that a friend of mine, Mark Llewellyn, who had left the Nine Network and went to the Seven Network, called me one day and said, hey, mate, I've just, um, I'm about to launch a new show called Sunday Night. It's going to take on 60 minutes and I'm looking for story ideas. You got any? It's like, I've got a good story idea for you. I said, this bloke lives in the Northern Territory, catches crocodiles for a living, flies helicopters, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, mate, fantastic. Can we shoot next week? <laughs> Perfect. That's what I'm He's looking like, for. oh, mate, no expense. He goes, no expense spared on this. We're going to have Cineflex, heli- Cineflex, you know, the Cineflex at that time before drones. You're looking at 10 grand like a day to Jeez. get those in the air, you know, and shooting for five days. What's a Cineflex? It's like- Cineflex sits in the front of a jet ranger helicopter and it's like the, op- you know, the opening scenes of a movie like flying over the mm. escarpment. It's that. It's that. But you can do that, that now with a drone, with an $800 Much cheaper. drone. Yeah. Jeez. So, but back in those days, so um, that's where I'm thinking in my mind, oh, yeah, great, well, I'm helping you out with a problem but you're now helping me out because you're going to give me a fucking awesome reel. Um, so we ended up with this 12-minute story. Sam Armitage uh, was the reporter at that stage. Um, and this is what, 10 years ago? This is about te- 10 years ago. And Michael Pell, who's the now current executive producer of Sunrise, number one um, breakfast TV show in the country, was the – uh, segment producer, story producer. 
So obviously Sam and, and Michael have gone on to kick big goals. But I ended up with this amazing reel. Um, I then used that as my reel to shop that around and we got a call out of the blue one night from a guy called Jeff Daniels who's the boss, boss of National Geographic based in Washington, D.C. And um, he said, I've seen your reel on Matt Wright, um, wondering what you're doing for dinner on Wednesday. And that was on a Friday. Wow. And so what's a reel? It's just a – Just a short, hype reel. Uh, you know, usually it's – Like a trailer. A tra uh, not trailers to promote a series. This is to sort of entice a network to take our series. So like a trailer I mean? for the network though. A sizzle – it's called like a sizzle reel. A sizzle reel. Yeah. Okay. I like that. So, um, so that's how it happened and I called Matt and said, mate, get to Sydney. We're booking flights. We're off to DC. So we flew to Washington, DC literally for dinner. Um, we got there, you know, in the morning and we're out the next day. And you're, meet, you're meeting with the head of Nat Geo. The boss of National Geographic, yeah. Wow. So we, um, we're now four seasons in, you know, 130 countries around the world and doing some pretty cool stuff. So, again, so that is just sheer um, – I was going to say sheer determination, but you've got to have a great product first and I've – you know, I fully believed, always believed in Matt. He's an incredible talent and he's just got better and better and better in front of the camera. Um, that he's, you know, he's so, he's just a, such a natural and he looks incredible and our shows kick ass, you know. Yeah. Would anyone, would, is it, is it okay or not okay to compare him to Steve Irwin? Um, is that that's right. He, he does. No, he does. We, we, no, not at all because we've, we've got, we get that a lot in the US when we do press in the US, but, um, it's a bit of a badge of honor for Matt. You know, yeah. Matt's like, well, he's an icon. Shit's being compared to, you know. So, um, as I say, the, I mean, Steve was a um, very much a cartoon character in the way that, you know, the way he sort of conducted himself, and and that's was that's where he was appealing. Mm. Um, and you know, Matt's a different um, sort of style to Steve, but just being able being um, classed in the same category as Steve is is amazing because. He was, he was one of the highest, you know, grossing TV people in terms of, you know, his stuff with the Animal Planet was huge um, and still to this day the Irwins are still kicking on without him. So um, I'll tell you a story. I was in high school in Paris. Yeah. And also I was at the American school. Yeah. And this one kid goes to me one day. I was in – I can't remember what was happening. It was a story on Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. And this one kid comes up to me and he goes, you know what's weird? Okay, what? He goes, I know Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, but I don't know who leads your country. <laughs> That's what he said to me. He goes, I don't know who, who your prime minister is, but I know Steve Irwin. Yeah. I was like, that is kind of weird. A lot of them probably thought that he was He was prime minister. Yeah. He has to be one of the most famous people, Australians ever. No? Well, yeah. do you know what? Like when I, when I was working on this, you know, trying to build our series, I sort of looked at, the landscape and went, well, who are our biggest exports mm. in terms of this? And it all started with Mick Dundee, Crocodile Dundee. Yes. And, you know, the episode, um, um, the first um, Croc Dundee was shot in the Northern Territory and shot the other part shot in New York, staying at the Plaza Hotel up in really? Central Park. Yeah, yeah. And it was um, – and whenever we do like the New York Post or we're on the Today Show in, in, in the US or whatever it might be, it's like, and meet Australia's new crack Dundee, Matt Wright. Really? Or the next Steve Irwin. You know, there's always those two, two. And, you know, they were – when you think of the success of Paul Hogan back in the day globally off the back of that, that 
that show, uh, that uh, that movie. And you look at that as well. And I look at all these types of people of inspiration. You know, there's people like um, John Cornell, who was um, um, Paul Hogan's business partner, who's a hotelier up in Byron Bay. Um, his his manager, and there's all these. You know, who was his manager? Um, I think that movie. I think they spent six or seven million on that. It grossed three hundred and fifty million dollars the the box office. Shit. Um, and you know, I look at those types of inspirations as well. That actually, that sort of mentality led into our sports TV rights business, and we had the the, the Shoot Shield, which is the Sydney Rugby Union competition in here in Sydney, and um, we took that over um, five years ago, um, and um, we were actually given the rights for a decade for nothing. And I think in sports TV rights, even the way they're talking about it at the moment, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. So was, we knew it was something was wrong with it if we were given it for a decade. But it's like the Croc Dundee model. If you can collapse the broadcast model, like you look at movies these days and like, oh, they spent 800 million on making it. It's like on that piece of shit, mm. you know. But when you make a $7 million movie that grosses $350 million at the box office, it was the same approach to, um, to, to Outback Wrangler and the same approach we do with, um, um, with the Shoot Shield when we had that. It's like how do you collapse the broadcast model to make it cost effective. And then shift it some, and yeah. distribute another and way. And so that's, it's out. But just cutting costs because you look at when you see our when – when we did um, – uh, the Shoot Shield and was broadcast on Seven and replays on Fox and, you know, it became massively successful and it was the rebirth of of, of, um, of grassroots and, and club football in Australia. Um, so much so that it became the central part of their global broadcast rights, which is up at the moment, and but they couldn't do the deal without our piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So they – Had to buy you out. Had to buy us out. So um, – When we, was that? We came to a financial arrangement um, about a month ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's new. Just before all this shit happens. Do you know what though? You know, <laughs> do you know what though? Really anything you do, you can look at it and be like, okay, can I do that cheaper and better? That's, yeah. that's the, the, the game. Can I do it cheaper and better? Well, especially when it's your own money. Yeah. You know, um, I but, think these days with TV, like when you think about the, the cost of things, you know, and, and that's why this, what we're currently going through at the moment, it's a game changer. Absolute game changer. Oh, you look at uh, my brother Ben's at 2GB, does drive on 2GB. Um, ratings came out yesterday. He's number one. Yeah, um, he's he's killing it. He's killing he, it. He's got the um, um, the radio show. He's, he's got the – He's on Ninja Warrior. He's been yeah. the Today Show. But here's the thing, and you've got Alan Jones in Breakfast, number one. And, and I love and, I love Alan Jones. It's amazing. Yeah. And Ray Hadley and, and Deb Knight. But you look at radio as a medium. When – the coronavirus happened. It decimated a lot of big shows, you know, like, a, you know, your voices and, um, you know, your big brothers and master chefs and all those types of things because there's like a thousand crew around. They're really expensive to make. But you look at broadcasting, especially radio, those simple mediums where, you know, they're broadcasting from their homes, you know, Alan's farm or Ray's farm or wherever it might be. And it's like we're doing now. Mm. It's a microphone. It's talking straight to an audience. Mm. It's not expensive in terms of the production um, and I think that's going to change a lot. It's interesting seeing this happen, um, you know, seeing Jimmy Fallon host 
the, the Tonight Show from his bedroom and no one gives a shit, they're like, cool, he's in his bedroom. Mm. Instead of going, the set cost me $4 million and I'm in Rockefeller Center and got all the, you know, the 500 lights and everything. Mm. What, what were the were the ratings or viewings higher in his bedroom or lower? Is this real? Is that real what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I didn't know that. Well, uh, uh, they, Alan's, the, the, Alan's what, Do you know what the ratings were? I don't know what the ratings are, but, yeah, because everyone's at home. Yeah. Yeah, it the, makes it more course, real. They feel like Alan, they're there. <laughs> Alan Jones's ratings went up um, uh, yesterday by 3.1 points to 17 point something. I mean, it's – What does that mean? I don't know what it's that It's huge. Is like it? it's, it's – un- that like in this day and age, those sorts of numbers are just off the charts. But people turn back to reliable sources and it, then it comes back to sort of our clients and the people we represent is people turn back to reliable, credible sources, um, whether it's Lisa Wilkinson on the project or whatever it might be. What I think um, – I'll tell you a story that – I'll tell you something I read that is really interesting. Yeah. And and I think it's, it's, it's quite similar to what you were saying. The first Rocky film, so when Sylvester Stallone – did the first Rocky film. Yeah. It cost something like 150 grand or something yeah. like that. And it grossed uh, 150 million. Yeah. The, 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 those numbers aren't exact, but that was the, from memory, pretty close to what the, what the article or the interview with him mm. said. And he said that I knew this film was going to do good because everybody wants to have their – has an inner hero. Everyone's got an obstacle to overcome. Mm. Everybody can relate to to, and everyone can cheer for that person that is overcoming that obstacle. That is, you know, getting punched in the face over and over again. What was that famous line? He says, "It's not how it's not, uh, it's how, not many, how, how hard you get hit. It's, it's how many how times you, you can get, get hit and, and just keep, keep going, keep moving forward, <laughs> yeah. keep moving forward." It's mad. Yeah. Whenever he does it, I jump up out of my seat. I'm freaking out. I'm starting to throw air punches, but um, but because you. You relate to him. It's it's yourself. Yeah. You can you feel it. You you and I think that doing uh, like what you're saying with um um uh, with things like podcasts, it's you or, or anything that you're doing yourself is based on uh, your own character, mm. uh, even your business. Um, it it's it's you, right? So someone can't copy you to no. an extent. They can okay, yeah. I can do a podcast, but I can't do Daniel's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and so having positioning, and it's just a matter of positioning your company or or yourself as a, a, as unique. So in a way that other people can't copy that. Mm. Like at Cub, we we are the next generation of leadership community. You mm. know, we, we're modern. We represent the modern face of Australian business. Other leadership communities can't say that mm. because some of them have been around for 60, 80 years. They they're half of them on the way out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they, so they can't come out and be like, we're modern. Yeah. And then for someone else to come out and say we're modern, all right, well, we're already here. We're yeah. the first brand positioned. We have already learned the lessons. We already have all the money now you're a, you're and com- we're growing. You're a community. Yeah, and, yeah. and we've got that. We've got yeah. that, that community aspect. So it's about finding your, your business's kind of unique position. Yeah. Uh, but again, that. It's, it's having a great idea and a great product. Mm. Um, then you're unstoppable, mm. you know, with the right marketing and the right positioning and everything else. That's why I, I honestly believe um, that um, this will have some positives out of it. Um, I, I, you know, I feel for people that close their off, closing their companies down and letting go of lots of staff and you know all that sort of stuff. It's it's terrible. It's really heartbreaking. I've got friends in the in the hospitality industry who've literally shut the door, doors of their pubs 
um, hundreds of staff. But um, for those who can be still sta standing at the end of this, um, and again, it comes back to quality. You know, if you're serving quality food, um, if you've got great service, um, if you're accessible online, all those types of things, you've got great social media, you're staying well connected. It's those businesses that will flourish at the end of this, um, but the ones that have been taken shortcuts will fall. Mm. And, and what's your opinion on just speaking on social media because you always – uh, give me shit about mine. <laughs> what's what's? I coach you, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> what's um? He's like Daniel. No one cares what seat you're sitting in in the plane. <laughs> you posted it 17 times. Fucking you don't need to post us every time you go on the fucking plane. Out of his Emirates from New York to Paris, mate, in first class, but one uh, <laughs> A on VA VA 12 to Melbourne. No one gives a shit, mate. <laughs> but it's consistent. I was like, I'm building a bit of consistency. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna get better. I promise. Um, well, like this, mate. Podcast, it's great. Well, it's been it's gone viral yeah. already. It's, yeah. it's gone off its charts. Um, but but back to my point, I wouldn't even know what I was talking. about. Uh, content. Yeah. Uh, I think now is quite possibly the best time to be producing content. Mm. Everyone's looking at their phones. Everyone's online. Um, people are bored at home as well. So it's like yeah. me. I've got. If I get bored, I can do a podcast. Yeah. It's in the house. Um, uh, what would you recommend? On that, what 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 is valuable content? How does someone know they're spitting out valuable content? Because that's the goal, value. Yeah, it well, it's it's interesting because um, even I'm kicking off my own content thing next week. Um, I'm starting next week uh, LinkedIn Live with my clients, um, and it's just a short little interview um, series that I'm going to be talking about things like resilience, uh, leadership. You know, I've got clients like. Captain Richard Krepney, who's the Qantas A380 pilot that saved, that had two engines explode um, when he flew out of Changi in Singapore, um, glided the plane, uh, the whole flight deck, you know, pretty much panicked at that point. You know, he had, you know, 300-odd lives in his hands um, and just, you know, former Air Force pilot, cool, calm, collective, collected, and um, save the day. So talking about things like resilience, uh, I've got a lot of high-profile coaches like, you know, Craig Bellamy and Paul Ruse and Ange Postacoglu and super successful guys, Ricky Stewart. Um, and then, you know, some incredible women in our stable as well, you know, Lisa Wilkinson's and Sylvia Jeffries and Emma Rusciano. What's Lisa people. like? Uh, she's incredible. She's incredible. Um, just pure style, class, um, She's got a big following, doesn't highly she? Highly intelligent. Yeah, she does. She does. But she's um, just oozes class, you know, and she's um, she's consistent, you know, um, great at a craft, keeps getting better. Um, it's one of those things as well that it's funny, Lisa and I laugh about it because whenever they talk about Lisa, whenever they talk about women, it's like they mention their age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why the fuck do you mention their age? Like Lisa's getting better <laughs> yeah, with age. true. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, or veteran. Veteran, it's like, well, she's she's never been better. You know, her, yeah. her career's flying and, you know, um, but she's amazing. And that's I'm so blessed to be able to work around amazing people, you know, captains of industry. With um, clients like that. Yeah. So you because you, you're working with these characters, with these personalities. Yeah. How do you build um, their – so – because they would have a unique demographic at a whole that will be attracted to that person yep. in regards to likes, uh, viewing and listening to that person. Yep. How does that work in regards to um, 
could you, uh, from from how I understand it, you would negotiate terms with the TV station for contracts for 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 talent. Yep. Um, and their terms or the contracts, the financials financials would be based on how many people they pull in. No. No, no, no. It's um, I mean, ratings are not. The, I mean. If you if you don't um, if you're not rating you don't really survive you don't your career is pretty short lived but mm. a lot of our clients have been at it for decades and decades um, we know go our main role is and where we're different to a lot of other man- management companies we're all or nothing so we're either hundred percent in or a hundred hundred percent out so therefore we negotiate all of their employment contracts all of their endorsements um, all their partnerships um, and you know they become you know, something is really instilled um, in me through my parents is that, you know, they become part of the family, you know, and we become fiercely loyal and fiercely protective over them. Um, if they have a shot at one of our clients, they have a shot at us. Mm-hmm. So, and you're there for the good times and you're there for the shit times as well. So, um, and, and so when, how it works, when someone wants to work with uh, Elisa Wilkinson or, or, or one of your clients, yep. they, they deal with, with, with yourself. With they with my my team, with yeah. Team, they come yeah. through us, yeah, for everything, yeah. And what do you think is going to happen with the media? How do you think the media game is then going to be, or entertainment? What, what would you call it, media or entertainment? Oh, the 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 the, media, con- the, the me- media and content world. Yeah. Well, how do you think well, it's going to be changed by this uh, situation? Well, what, what do you think is going to happen after uh, after we get through I, it? I I think that traditional models will be really challenged in terms of um, you'll see a greater. I mean. That one of the hardest things of dealing with at the moment, there's no fucking sport on. <laughs> yeah. So there's no NBA, there's no NFL, there's no AFL, there's no NRL, there's there's no rugby, there's there's nothing. No netball. Like all parts of business, that the 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 great content creators who have a massive audience and uh um um a sort of triple threats that they can broadcast on radio, they they're great on television, they can write, they have a big social audience. Those people will rise. Um, you're straight up sort of TV presenters that that's just what they do, that, mm-hmm. that they're not trained as journalists or whatever it is. I think they'll struggle. Um, but yep. it's like anyone, you know, like it's a, you know, the this will challenge a lot of people on the peripheral. It's almost like the influencer world. Yeah, well, know? how could the average civilian, um, I guess, make a presence in this time? Is it a good time for the, for the average person to be, to be, Creating content and I just think themselves. making content for the sake of it is probably not the wisest idea yep. because I even been flicking through some stuff on LinkedIn and other things as well. When you've got you know, and I I give them full credit because they're having a go. Don't don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of shit content. Sometimes out there. you just shouldn't try. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but have a but what's your point of difference? Yeah. You know what I mean. And yeah. I, I think that. Um, I think now's a good time, a really good time for businesses to reconnect with their clients, um, just sort of reorganize what they're doing, you know, reconnect as a group. Um, I mean, it's not business as usual because things have changed a bit, you know. So, but it's an important time just to um, just to reconnect because, as you know, things are slower. If this was any other workday, I'd be thinking here as well, I'd have messages pinging off my phone and mm. the things would be, even though there are messages pinging off my phone. But I'm not worried about what's happening in the outside world. I'm enjoying this moment doing this podcast. Mm. That's very unlike me. Mm. I'm always thinking of the 15 other things I need to do as soon as I leave here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's giving people time and space 
Are you spending um, more time with the family, with the kids? Yeah, yeah. And that's what this thing's not the worst thing ever, you yeah. know. Like it's actually taking this to recorrect the entire world in one hit and slow us down and reconnect with loved ones um, and just put a bit more quality in what we're doing, you know. Like everyone's cooking from home. Everyone's eating better food. and I learned how to cook. I can cook now. I had this brand new flashy ass kitchen over there. Not once ever touched it. Not once until two weeks ago. And I've seen you, you've, I'm like we, a maestro you've, now. You've, you've you've whipped up a All few sorts pasta of weird dishes, shit. haven't you? Yeah, pasta. I mean, I, I, I um, boiled you, vegetables. Did you make your own pasta? No, no, I buy in the packet. I put it in the um, – oh, I struggled to fit it into the Do you, into the bowl do you steam, steam your vegetables? No, no. It's but my oven has a steamer. <laughs> Does. I just can't figure out how to turn they're it They're amazing, those, those steamers in the oven. They're, mm. they're good. But so there's a lot of things. It's making people grow. Yeah, It's also it teaching is. people how to budget. Yep. Um, how to, how, it, I, I think a lot of people, people were getting used to, oh, I have to go out three nights a week for dinners. Oh. And it's like, no, you don't. You can just stay home. Like You don't need to spend all that money. No. You can enjoy your life and be really happy yeah. and, and, and meditate and, and be open, yeah. be clear-headed. Just by staying home sometimes. It's interesting as well that um, the whole Zoom meeting thing is, uh, I think, it's wonderful. Um, and it's almost um, what's going to become really archaic is like going, what you used to get a taxi to someone's office and then like sit in a waiting room and then go through some like pointless fucking boardroom mm. and sit down and have a 45-minute meeting about something that's probably not going to eventuate or there's no follow-up or then there's like, then we'll set another time for another meeting. It's like, what a waste of fucking time. Yeah. Just get it, get shit done. Yeah. I'm dealing with so many people now in text message, just yeah. instant, like short messages, um, voice to text, video, um, 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 zooms, um, audio messages, just like get things moving quicker and, and save more time for instead of, and I think the same thing goes for like retail. I think retail is going to suffer massively out of this. I think um, all commercial space is going to take the biggest hit of everything. Yeah. And going rather than me wasting time going driving to Westfield or like Broadway or whatever it is, and I feel sorry for shops that are in those types of big complexes, but to go I'm going to, you know, use that time when I'm driving somewhere. I'm going to drive to a, you know, to a national park and go bushwalking my family mm. or I'm going to go and do something worthwhile. Mm. Otherwise I'm just going to buy it online and like online shopping. I love it now. Like it's, you know, I'd thing. always say to my wife, I'd text my wife, like send her a link going, can you buy me one of these? But now, <laughs> now you know, you're on it. Now I get on there at night. She's like, what the <laughs> fuck are these shoes turning up? You know, but another pair I, of Nikes, you know, I think, I think that um, something interesting, interesting you just said then was that if you are going to travel for something, it's going to be an experience, right? You're going to go bushwalk with the kids. or you're going to, It's an experience. I think that uh, the commercial uh, commercial space, commercial space, uh, real estate industry is going to hit, be hit the hardest. I think that retail is going to become a lot more experiential mm. and community creating through, their, yeah. through the physical spaces. Completely right. And I think the only people that are going to have offices are big dogs just yeah. to show off the fact that they can still have an office, you know, because no one will have one. So they're going to be like, oh, I can have an office. I'm going to have the big flashy office with the big boardroom. That's how you know you've really made it. I've still yeah. got it. Yeah. I, I've got a, I've got a, a big um, um, like a, a great idea that we're going to do a cub. I can't actually say it now because I reckon half the fucking spaces out there are going to take it. But 
um, it, it's definitely around uh, a foresight I have in in the office space. Yeah, uh, area. and uh, you're completely right on the the commercial office front because you have businesses that um, have tens of thousands of employees, even hundreds of employees that are you know in like Grosvenor or Chifley or um, you know some prime real estate CBD. And how much money they're spending on on real estate? They've just and learned they that they don't have to. They don't they have can drop to. their biggest expense. Yeah. yeah. Other than their team. And the other thing as well, I can. I'm in a fortunate position because my wife doesn't work, and she's a former school teacher. Mm-hmm. So it's like homeschooling things sort of works out for us. But if you're a husband, working husband and wife at home, and you're both working for home and trying to homeschool your kids, that's really tough. You know, um, so it's it's good for some and good, you know, not good for others. But I think that um, yeah, but kids will go back to school once this is over. K- kids will go back to school, but I'm saying this is a this is a, it's a really testing time as well for you know in terms of how we all adapt to this. Mm. Um, so it's really suitable for others. Sometimes it's not good for others. But the whole working from home thing, um, it gives people flexibility as well because those with kids, it's like going well, I'm going to get up in the morning on a exercise and I'm going to punch out a few hours of work and I'm going to take that time. I love taking my girls to school or picking them up because they get a buzz from it because I do it so rarely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was like when my it's like dad a novelty. It, it was like know? once like out of 10 years. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, what? this dude's he's still no, alive. I'll stand there and my, you know, my little girl Coco who's six, Maisie is nine and Coco's six and Coco hold my hand in the playground. She's like, you don't go yet. Do the bell. <laughs> I was like, look at my watch. It's like 20 to nine. I'm like, fuck, I've got another 20 minutes here. <laughs> but I'm going, what am I doing? Like what, what rush am I into? But I always was in a rush. This has taken away the rush mm. um, and gone, well, we'll just get shit done and, you know, we've got there's plenty of hours in today and tonight and tomorrow and, you know. And, you know, I think even like the, the, the builders, the developers, you know, they'll start building – office levels in apartment buildings. So if people are working from home, because mm. there's going to be a lot more people with flexible working. If they're working from home, their their building may have an office floor where, you know, everyone can go from that building to to work from. Yeah. And there's a lot of these well, things that are going to happen. It's like the old, the, the apartments, the two and a half bedroom apartments, right? That, you know, had the two bedrooms yeah. and then the other, the third room was like, you couldn't swing a cat yeah. in it. You, now it's an you, office. It's now an office. Yeah. Or as some of... You know, my clients and people I know, they're turning things into home studios. Mm. I, I was going to put a gym in my car spot downstairs, <laughs> build a gym because they locked us out of the gym here. Yeah, you, you're, in, you're in an apartment. I'm in an apartment, yeah. We love apartment living, yeah. yeah. It's the best. Yeah. You're, are you close to here? Yes. We're in Surrey Hills. So close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Well, look, I think we're actually – We've Laura keeps waving at me saying we've finished up at time. Um, matey. Mate, so I think, I think we could do about two or three of these podcasts, mate. There's I a know. lot to get through. Laura was holding yeah. up a sign saying five more minutes, five more yeah. minutes. Yeah. But um, let's finish there. Thank you so much. It was so good to catch up. Mate, it's great being on this. Um, I'm a massive supporter of yours. I'm a massive supporter of Cub. I think you guys are doing a terrific um, job. Um, as I say, that this is a very testing time and I think having you guys have a sense of community and I, I, I know that that's really strong at Cub. Um, but it's great that you're doing this and it's good you got the balls to um, um, to, keep to, trying to, to have trying new things and I've been telling you content's king, content's king. Well, this is because of you. It's because you told me that and I will say. And this will be your highest running podcast out of the three. It's gonna, it, this is, <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> the fastest growing me. podcast and the founder of NetRegistry, he's, he's, he's next. 
He's a real good guy. Never heard of him. Giles, great guy. <laughs> good on you, Giles. Um, but uh, and also, obviously, you've or you've organised all of Cubs connections to uh, the big uh, media players and and helped us get our first TV commercials live. Yeah. So uh, anyone who wants um, um, to 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 reach out to, to Nick, just reach out to us and, and we'll we'll organise that. Um, Not th- all at once. Yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, um, thank you so much, matey. Cheers, brother. Well done. Thanks. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening.